0: Good morning, everyone. Have been enjoying the Acts um, devotions in the mornings? Put your hand up if you've read some of them. Great. Have you read today's? Yes. Okay. It's all right because I'm not going to spoil Sue's thunder today, I don't think. Um, obviously, I was given Acts 21 by Graham to speak on because today's the 21st of July. Um, and I read the chapter and thought, oh, great. What am I supposed to say about that? But then as I kind of prayed about it and thought about it, um, some things started coming to mind, and it's been amazing this morning, hasn't it? Actually, the songs that we've sung and the psalm that Steph bought and even um, Dave and uh, Liz's stuff about Spain, there's a thread, um, and it really fits with what I feel God's given me for this morning, so it's just amazing. It's almost like God planned it, really, isn't it? Um, um, I was slightly um, nervous about speaking about Paul because, to be quite honest, I found Paul quite boring, actually. Um, the last couple of years, I got to the point, I kept saying to Ashley, I don't like Paul very much, he's a bit boring, he's all these do's and don'ts, and you know, like chapter 20, I don't know if you read it, but he, he preached on and on for so long, some poor bloke fell asleep and fell out of a window and died, so you know, I sort of thought, well he's a bit boring, he's all full of do's and don'ts, I'm not planning to preach on and on, so you'll fall asleep and die. Um, God, Paul did bring him back to life, so you know, it's okay, I'm not sure I've got that anointing, so I'll try not to make any of you die. Um, but um, Ashley kept recommending me uh, this book, so I started, had a little look at this book. It's called How to Like Paul Again. Um, and um, it's actually written by a guy who lectured at uh, the theology college where Ashley went. And I have to say, it has made me like Paul again. So you can all be relieved, church leader here not saying anything too heretical. Um, but I do recommend that book if you also find Paul a little bit challenging, because it is a really good book. Um, some of the background it gave about Paul, which I think is really helpful, which um, some, it's not necessarily very apparent in the um, run-up to chapter 21, um, but Paul was born in Tarsus, which is actually a first-century university town, um, which meant that he was born Jewish, but he, because he was born in Tarsus, he, he was actually Roman as well, which actually was this dual nationality that he played on later, and you'll find that in the coming chapters. Um, and that was, I found that quite interesting. Um, he actually was sent to um, Jerusalem for a religious education. He got relatives apparently there, and um, he was a kind of like top of the class. Um, he was the high flyer in Pharisee school, um, and he was actually being um, mentored by Gamaliel, who was a, um, a rabbi who's actually even famous apparently um, still today. Um, some of his speak teachings and so on are still um, spoken about. I have to say I haven't read them, but anyway. Um, and Gamaliel was the guy who in the earlier chapters of Acts said that you should just let these Christians let it go it'll just die out there's nothing really going on there um, but um, Paul Saul was desperate to kind of make his mark it kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, Michael Foster the MP a few years ago who wanted to make his mark in the political world and so he banned fox hunting and um, all the politicians are trying to overturn it now, but anyway, um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, and, and he wanted to make his mark, so his idea of making his mark was to try and persecute Christians, um, and he, but he wasn't quite authoritative enough, which is why he ended up on the road to Damascus, a letter of authority, to go and persecute Christians in Damascus, was when he had this moment um, where God kind of met him and kind of stopped him in his tracks. And Obviously, all that's further back in Acts, and you've all read that bit. Um, but in the run-up to chapter 21, um, there's all sorts of stuff going on in the new church. There, there's lots of um, amazing um, healings, um, amazing miraculous happenings, angels appearing in funny places, people teleporting, and all sorts of stuff. It's quite an exciting time. Um, but in um, Acts 21, we're in the week, uh, the week of chapters we've read, in the chapters that come up to 21, um, Paul, or Saul, has been on a bit of a journey. He actually started using the name Paul instead of Saul after he became a Christian, because actually um, Paul is his Roman version of his name, which I found also quite interesting in that book, um, because he was going to the Gentiles. He was uh, speaking to lots of Gentile churches, and so by using his Gentile name, the version of his name, he actually was able to fit in better with the churches that he was going to, that he was meeting. Um, He, I probably ought to click this thing on, didn't I? I called this piece Be the Journey, call Runnings. If you've seen the film, you'll get the the reference. Um, But um, the whole idea of Acts 21 is that Paul's been on this journey. He's been travelling, I've got a little map there, you probably can't see any of the towns actually written on it, but he's been travelling all over... um, Europe and uh, Eastern Europe and all sorts of places. And he's been—he went to about over 20 cities. I did actually try to count them, and then I gave up in the end because they've all got funny names, and I thought there's no way I can pronounce any of them. So, um, but he planted churches in lots and lots and lots of places. He visited some of them for a short time, sometimes for years, um, where he, um, a bit like the guys in Spain, lived amongst people, built community, built relationships, planted a church. Um, and one of the things that this book was explaining to me, that all the do's and don'ts stuff in these letters comes from the fact that he was writing those letters to a specific people for a specific time about specific things. And some of them were because he was effectively um, pastoring them or Uh, apostling them if that's a word um, from a distance and so he'd send them letters which is why we've got Ephesians and Corinthians and some of those letters in our Bible we can learn things from them but it's worth remembering that they're actually not written to us personally they're actually written to a church at a specific time for a specific reason and whilst obviously they're there for a reason in the Bible um, I found it quite helpful to realise that actually the reason he's put all these do's and don'ts in there is because he was speaking to very specific people about specific things at the time Um, now, in Acts 21, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's been given a word about traveling there. Um, and there's actually a moment when a prophetic word is given to him, um, which is quite difficult. They basically, this guy comes up and it's slightly weird. He wraps his belt around his ankles and so on. And as it says, God's told me, you're going to get arrested if you go to Jerusalem. And the people were begging him not to go. They didn't want him to go to Jerusalem. They didn't want him to get arrested. Um, but but he, Paul knew he had to go. He, he was kind of, God had given him a direction. He had to go and it was part of the, the journey that God had given him. So what I kind of felt really out of this that God was speaking to me about this particular chapter was, was actually to do with journey. The fact that we're all on a journey. We're all journeying through life and um, it looks very different for every, each one of us. Um, I don't know if any of you got any holiday plans. Um, there's a family photo. I think I asked most people if they could. Uh, they were happy for me to put them up there. Has anybody ever been on a road trip? Like a long road trip? Yeah, one or two? Our family has a bit of a love-hate relationship with them. Um, we we often, often end up going on a road trip because it's the cheapest way to transport a family our size down somewhere sunny. Um, and uh, so I'm going to just tell you this little story a little bit because it kind of helps illustrate, I think, what I, um, I believe God's given me from this chapter. Um, this particular, actually not that particular photo, but it's very similar because I always take one like that and they always look a bit grumpy. I had to take about six to try and, I mean, you know, it's about five o'clock in the morning and you're all rammed in close to your smelly younger brother and all the rest of it. Um, so, um, you know, we've got a, fer- a fer- ferry or a train to catch, you know, it's sort of like there's a bit of pressure. Um, but uh, we, we went on a journey in... It was 2014, so it was about five years ago, and we were going down to Spain, um, because, for those that don't know, we did used to live there, and we got quite a lot of friends down there, so we quite often go down to visit friends and get a bit of some real sun. Um, and uh, we set off, caught the train... Uh, I like the train, I don't like ferries, they make me feel sick. And the train's really quick, half an hour and you're in France. Um, So we set off on our journey and everything seemed to be going swimmingly. Um, But then it was about... I can't remember exactly where we got to, we just passed Paris somewhere. Oh, no, further down, weren't we? We were further down. We were near Vichy in sort of the middle of France and suddenly the car just decided it wasn't going to work anymore. And it was about 10 o'clock at night in a French auto route with all those lovely French toilets that they have on the side of the road. Um, And uh, we had to pull into one of those because the car limped to the next little air and we pulled in um, and rang our insurers. Hot tip when you're going to go abroad, use a decent insurer. Actually, they were pretty good to us, but we chose them because they were cheap, and it was not the best decision. But anyway, um, so you ring your insurers. We ring them at 10 o'clock at night, this is, and uh, you explain the situation, and then they send a tow truck, some really nice French man who doesn't speak a word of English, um, and uh, they towed us off the motorway to the nearest town. Um, He just took us to his garage and said, well, I've done my bit, and um, my French used to be good once, but uh, now it tends to turn into Spanish when I speak, so it made it rather difficult at 10 o'clock at night in a stressful situation to try and remember what French to say, to try and explain to him, well, you can't just leave us here, we've got four kids and it's now nearly midnight, and what are we going to do? And the guy's just sort of, not my problem. Um, but eventually, the, um, uh, the insurance company back in England sent a taxi about two o'clock in the morning we're all trying to sleep in the car Um, and we piled into this taxi and they took us to a hotel in Vichy which is actually quite a nice town although I'm not sure that any of us particularly want to go back there Um, and they put us up in a hotel um, and so we got a bit of sleep next morning you get up and you're trying to find out from the insurance company what's happening and you know we're supposed to be in Spain and you know um, and they don't really know what's happening, and they're talking about towing our car from that garage to one who can actually do something with it. And um, we, we ended up being checked out of our room and sitting on our bags in a hotel room lobby for a day. Um, we discussed how refugees must feel, because um, it felt a bit like that, and we were all feeling a bit miserable. Um, and then the next night, they checked us back in again, because the insurance company still didn't know what to do with us. Um, and then the next day, we checked back out and we're sitting on our bags in the lobby again. By this point, we sort of thought, we're going to have to do something. We can't just stay here. Um, so uh, what with some ringing my dad, who's a his, his brother, actually lives in the south of France and he's a pastor there and he's known lots of people all over France. And cut a long story short, knew some people who might be able to help us and... Um, a good garage, we could get the car towed to. And in the meantime, I decided—well, we decided—that I would get on a train from Vichy over to Clermont-Ferrand, where we could go to the airport and pick up a hire car that we could use to get us down to Spain so we'd at least go and get on our holiday and leave the car, let them sort it out, and we'd go and at least, the, you know, not have to sit in a hotel lobby for two weeks. Um, so, uh, you know, that was quite scary. I, I couldn't remember much French. Um, sat nav not working very well on my phone, trying to find a French rail station, find the right train, get on the right train, get to the airport, get the car. Um, Long, long story short, eventually got back to the hotel, rammed everybody into this higher car, and off we went down to Spain. And eventually the car was sort of fixed, and we sort of got there and sort of got back again. M- much more complicated than that, but you don't need to hear all the details. But um, the, the story really reminded me of, of lots of things to do with um, Paul's journey, Saul, Paul, we'll call him Paul, because he's Paul at this point, point. Um, in that um, he's, he's on this journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows difficult things are going to happen. He knows that when he gets there, it's not all going to be plain sailing. Um, in fact, in his way, on his way to Rome later, he ends up in a shipwreck and all sorts of things happen. Um, he's quite a lively guy. Um, I don't know if you noticed how many riots he causes and how many times he gets beaten up and thrown in jail. And I actually think he was probably quite an interesting person. Um, but... But this idea of the fact that he's on this journey, he's, he's traveling, and things aren't always plain sailing, just like our holiday, like our journey. Um, when you go on holiday, you have to prepare, don't you? You have to take certain things with you. You have to think about the things that you need to take in order to be prepared on that journey. Um, sometimes we take baggage from our past, on this journey of life. Sometimes it's baggage we probably shouldn't take with us. We should leave behind. We ended up leaving some of our luggage in the car because we couldn't actually fit it all into the hire car. You had to make decisions about what things you need to take and what things it's right to leave behind. Um, when you're taking a long journey like that, you have to plan. You have to think about what route you're going to take. You usually take a map, or at least you should do, or a sat-nav, because if you don't, you might get lost. Um, when we, when we planned that particular journey, the things you have to take with you. To travel through France, you have to take breathalyzers in your car. Um, you have to take yellow jackets for every person in the vehicle. Um, so all sorts of things that you have to take. Um, but obviously in this life journey that we take, our very best uh, travel map, if you like, is our Bible, is the word of God. Um, it gives us everything that we need for that journey. It gives us advice. It can help us in all sorts of situations. I don't know if any of you have ever found the bit at the back in the concordance where you got for difficult situations and that sort of thing. Often you can look up the back there and you can find verses that can really speak into your situation for any given time. Um, Often when you go on a journey, you just come across problems, situations, roadblocks, traffic jams way back from Exeter like the other day, graduation, um, two-hour two two hour journey took five and a half hours. So you, you, know, you, you go for a bit, and then you stop, and you're in a traffic jam again, and you stop, and then you go for a bit, and then you stop, or you have a full-on breakdown, um, or there's a crash, and they have to re- re- reroute you somewhere. We don't always know the journey God's taking us on, and often those kind of troubles that come across us can be really big, um, like our breakdown um, in France. Or they can just be a bit of a five-minute hold-up while you sit in traffic. Um, but actually, we're all going to face um, situations on our journey. Some people might be in the middle of one right now. Um, some of you, if you haven't... If life's plain sailing at the moment and you're sailing on life's journey quite um, happily at the moment, be, be aware that you will hit one because that is what um, life is like. And the kind of troubles that we can hit... Uh, are often, well, they're all sorts of things, aren't they? They can be illness, they can be a relationship breakdown, divorce, it can be a death, it can be um, a financial situation, it can be your car's broke again. Um, it can be several things all at once, and that sometimes then starts to feel like a storm. Um, I put up these images of uh, a tornado because I thought, I've often found this quite a help, helpful and comforting image. Um, in the middle of a storm, you can see in that middle picture, in, that's a picture of a tornado from space. Right in the middle of a tornado is a little circle of complete peace, like that one down there in the corner. So, actually, sometimes you can be in the middle of a s- sort of storms of life, stuff whirling around you, debris and all sorts of things. Has anyone seen the film Twister? Yeah, like that. So that kind of stuff, like pieces of buildings and vehicles and cows and all sorts of things, whirling around you. And and actually, if you look at the storm, it can be, <laughs> it can be really scary um, because actually, if you got hit by one of those pieces of debris, it could be fatal. But actually, in the middle, right in the middle, is perfect peace, blue sky, and you can see the way right the way up to the sunshine. Um, and for me, often, in situations that are difficult, it can be really comforting to remember that actually what we have to do is look up. Um, my screensaver on my phone, is a, um, my closed lock screen, is a Snoopy cartoon that I've had there for years and years and years, and it just says the secret to life is to look up. Because it just reminds me that actually no matter what is going on around us, The key all the time is to look up, to look at Jesus, because actually, when you look at the problems, you look at the storm, you look at the troubles, it magnifies them. It makes them more scary, it makes them bigger. But actually, if we remember to look up at Jesus, who's the one who's overcome it all, the one who's got all the answers, it may not come the way we expect, it may not come as quickly as we expect, but he's got the answers then actually the storm seems less important. It can whirl around us because our focus is on him. Um, because actually in a storm, when t- troubles come, it can, be, it can be really painful. It can be really, really painful. Um, but actually, it's also recognising that pain is part of life. Pain is actually part of a process. And that actually, without pain, as they say in the gyms, there is no gain. If you want to get stronger, you have to exercise to the point where it hurts. Because actually, if you're not actually doing it that much in the gym, then you're not going to gain anything, you're not going to get stronger. Um, An analogy that's often used um, is is labour and giving birth. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell any stories. Um, But actually, when you're in labour, it can be very painful. But actually, because you're looking to the end of that process, you're, you're expecting in an hour or a day or whatever, however long it takes to hold that baby that you've been waiting for for nine months, then the pain is worth it and the process is worth it. And so although it's painful, although it's difficult, you know that actually the end result is growth, is life, is the best solution. Um, It's kind of like when Jesus um, knew that he was going to be crucified um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, And it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Um, And actually, at that moment, he knew what crucifixion was going to be like. He knew it was going to be painful. He knew he was going to die. But actually, the joy that was set before him, the joy that he knew at the end of that process of crucifixion, the joy was us, was you and me. He knew that by going through that process, he was going to be able to give us new life. And that made it completely worth it for him. I find it quite incredible to just think that actually, do you know what? If I was the only person left on this planet, on the planet at the time, Jesus would still have died just for me. He loves me that much and he loves you that much. So actually, the fact that, you know, he knew pain was coming, he knew that it was going to be difficult but it says there in the Bible that it was the, for the joy set before him that he endured it. He knew that it was worth it going through that process. Um, when Paul was on this journey, although people begged him to stop and gave him prophetic words about he was going to get arrested and so on, and some of them, it says, you know, they, they wept with him and begged him not to go because he'd said he wasn't coming back. Um, he knew that the pain was worth it. I'm not sure I'd have had that, the guts. I think if someone gave me a prophetic word that I was... Wherever I was going meant that I was going to die and not come back. I might change my mind about the plan and think maybe we'll go somewhere else, or maybe I won't do that. I'd probably run in the other direction. Um, but I'd, I mean, I'd like to think that if God gave me a direction, I would carry on following it. But it's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do when you know that it's going to involve pain and it's going to be really indiffic- really difficult. Um, but Paul went anyway, and I think there's one or two things that we can just remember, that if, if you're in that situation at the moment, you're in a storm and things are whirling around you and things are difficult, there are one or two things that we can do. Um, oh, I've turned it off. Um, there are one or two things that we can do. So perhaps if Alison can stick my um, slide back up. Um, the, when we speak out and we speak to the storm, um, we actually um, have a lot of authority. Um, it, this, I've, I've got um, some words from this devotional which um, was written by um, Charlotte Gamble um, up in um, uh, Life Church, Bradford, Dan knows them well. Knows them, knows them well. Um, she, she wrote this devotion and this particular thing really spoke to me the, the last album uh, of worship which we've been singing some of the songs from was called Speak to the Storm um, and I think um, there's something of the, you know this idea of journey and how we deal with it in that um, in the songs of that album but also in this, this devotion that she's put she, she talks about how actually um, the time when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples um, and there was a big storm and Jesus just stood up and spoke and said be still Be quiet. And the storm did. It just stopped. It dropped. Now, obviously, we don't necessarily have the same um, uh, authority. Well, we do, actually. We do have the same authority because we have Jesus in us. But we can't necessarily speak to the weather and go, right, sunshine do it now and we could and God could answer it but the fact is is that sometimes in the storms that we're in we have to wait for an answer and we can we can speak out and we can speak in faith and sometimes we have to wait for God to answer it but the fact is that we can we can speak to it Um, one thing that it said in this and I just thought this was really um, helpful so I was just going to read it um, is to speak loud first of all many people panic and scream for help in the storm But what about standing your ground and answering the storm with the promises of God that that were there before the storm hit and will be there after it has died out? The word of God in your mouth is far more powerful than the waves and the wind that are trying to cause you to doubt. So speak the word, find the shout, and let the storm know you're not backing down. And I think that that's something that's really significant that we can do, is that when we're in a difficult situation in a storm, we we can speak out. There is power in saying it out loud. Sometimes we can sort of think, well, I've just prayed it quietly in my head, but actually, there's real power in what comes out of our mouth. And I think there's significance in actually speaking it out or singing it out. If you don't know what to say, but there's a song that fits what you're feeling and where you think God's taking you, then sing it. Um, And sing it to the problem, sing it over the situation. Um, Or as Sim was talking about last week, just speak in tongues over it, because actually, what comes out of our mouth is really powerful. Um, it's like the, the thing that you, you, know, you probably heard where people sort of say, oh, my dad always told me I was thick or I was stupid. And eventually you end up believing you're stupid because my mum or my dad or someone always told me this, someone always said that. And eventually you start to believe it because what comes out of your mouth is powerful. What you say is powerful. So speak to the situation and speak the truth that's in God's word. That's why you have that map. That's why you've got the word. Speak um, Speak faith. Speak to the storm from a place of faith, not fear. Your confidence is not in what you see, but what is in what is unseen. So trust in the unfailing love of God. Rest in his capacity, not in your own ability. Don't allow fear to take the microphone. Instead, let faith choose the vocabulary, faith for the future, faith in your good father. Faith knows how to fight, so let faith reply to the waves that are trying to ruin your day, your week, your holiday. Um... What is really important to remember is in the middle of that storm, well, not only do we speak out, but we speak from a place of faith because actually, we're looking at, if we're looking at God, who is our Father, who is all powerful, who can do all things, then our faith has to be in Him, not in our, our sort of own ability to solve the problems and to fix the situation around us. Um, it would have been quite easy um, to have sat in that hotel room and done nothing and just felt sorry for ourselves. But to some extent, we had to take a step of faith and we prayed. Believe me, we prayed a lot. But trust that actually God had got the situation in hand. God had got the whole situation sorted. He had a solution. And actually, if we step out in faith but with our eyes on him, because he's the one who's able to supply the answers, then he will bring the answers and he will bring the peace to that storm. He will cause it to still. And speak now. So if you're in that situation, don't wait. Um, Just You need to speak it in the middle of it. You need to speak it immediately. Don't save your words until the wind dies down. Declare truth over your life. Speak truth over lies. Pray, praise, thank. Now. Sometimes the storm can make us breathless, but today, catch your breath and speak your truth. I think that's really important. It's because sometimes you can feel paralyzed by fear in the middle of difficult situations. And... You sort of almost feel as though you've got to wait for something to happen before you can do anything about it. But actually, I think that there's real power in speaking now in the situation, doing it, taking action and doing it instantly. Um, so speaking it loud, speaking with faith, but speaking it now. And I do believe that no matter what situations we face, and believe me, I've faced quite a few, but I expect you've faced plenty as well, that actually God has got an answer and he has got a solution. And the storm may look horrifically terrifying and you may not be able to see a way through. But I promise, if you keep your eyes on him and you speak truth, speak the word and speak faith over that situation, then at some point God will hear that prayer. He will answer and he will bring you through it because he's a faithful God, and because he promises in his word that he will. It may not be the way you expect it, but he will always answer. Um, And I can testify to lots of situations in my own life where God has done that and brought us through some really difficult situations and storms. Um, I won't bore you by going on with all of them, but actually also speaking out the times when God has come through and has... Answered a prayer or solved a situation is also really faith building for others around you and to yourself because it actually builds your faith to speak into the situation that you happen to be in now so that 's kind of what I felt um, God gave me from that chapter was to do with this idea of Paul being on a journey and it not being an easy one, but actually there being a destination and a purpose at the end of it and I just wanted to say really, I suppose that if anybody here is in a storm and you 're in a situation that looks impossible. Um, and really difficult, um, and you just like to be able to recenter and focus on the Lord, and you like that peace. Then I'd love to pray with you. Maybe Steph or any other team here would love to pray with you. Um, if you don't know Jesus uh, and haven't got that road map in your hand, as it were, then don't leave today without talking to somebody about it and asking them, um, "What's this all about? I need this in my life." Um, so I just want to kind of leave it there, really. But. Um, but yeah, don't, don't leave today if you know that God's speaking to you and you really could do with just a, a word of prayer. Um, so yeah, thanks, Dad.